Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Girl, he reads from these journals he kept when he was a principal. Uncut and uncensored. Putting all his business in the street. The podcast, Ruthless Equity. The name, Ken Williams. I sit here very proud of my staff for the work they did in answering the first two critical questions involved in building a PLC. Question one of a professional learning community. What do we want students to know and be able to do? And question two, how will we know when they've learned it? This past week and coming Monday, collaborative teams met with the goal to develop eight to 10 essential learning outcomes in both math and reading, along with two common formative assessments for each of these curricular areas. I did not hover over any of the teams because my expectations were clear and the expected products were explicit. I found that each day saw mentally drained teams of people who had worked very hard on meeting the expectations for the day. The third grade team is meeting on Monday, and so far the first grade team is the only team that has completed and handed in all parts of the assigned products. This is a great breakthrough and a definite point for celebration. I'm looking forward to compiling this information and developing our actual school improvement plan. This is Ken Williams. I appreciate you tuning into the podcast and sharing it with others. Hey, listen, I do. I provide professional learning experiences to schools and leaders looking to shift their culture to deliver on the promise of equity, excellence and achievement for all students, regardless of background. I'm proud to say I'm no longer in the convincing business. I have no interest in convincing you. If you are convinced uh, based on research based pity, that your students can't, then you're going to find enough research to win that argument. I have no interest in that. But if you are a leader who is tired of the paradigm being all about student pity and you want to lean more into staff power, I'm your man. If you're a leader tired of dealing with survival mode as a default mechanism, you tired of survival mode as your everyday existence, crawling to 230, if you got into leadership because you want to do something special, then I'm your man. If you are a leader, tired of the kind of messaging that makes our job seem impossible, then I'm your man. I'm not for everyone. I'm looking for people who want to win. Again, if you want to come up with research, enough research-based pity to um, try to convince me why your kids are going to lose, you're going to win. You're going to win that argument because there's enough research-based pity out there. But if you are looking to win, if you're looking to break through, do something special, 
have a legacy, write your ticket anywhere, ensure high levels of learning for all kids at grade level or better. Then you've got two options. One, go to the podcast notes, click the link and download my free crown conversation starter. You're going to love that. It's a, it's a great tool to get challenging conversation started you don't have to feel the pressure of what to say first i'm going to string together a few of my micro learning videos with some question prompts that you can use to move the issue of equity achievement and learning forward and or partner with me go to my speaking page and look at the options the on-site experience which is a complete game changer or the virtual experience either way go to unfoldthesoul.com and let's connect make magic and ensure kids win now back to the podcast all right baby let's get into it this one has got a few layers some of my favorite leadership topics to talk about the first I'm going to, let me give you some context. I do a lot of work around equity and professional learning communities. And one of the biggest challenges with PLCs is what you'll see many refer to as PLC light. Um, another big problem with PLC implementation is I would say about 80% of the schools I've worked with over 16 years base PLC effectiveness on activity. That's like asking a football coach to assess the season, to give an update about where the team is, and all he talks about is practice. No scores, no games, just metrics around practice. Well, PLCs are much more than that. There's a finish line to PLCs, there's an outcome to PLCs, there's a way to score and keep metrics. And one of the reasons why this phenomenal initiative isn't as widespread and effective as it needs to be is because it's way too based in activity. So I want that to be the first thing. I remember a quote from the late, great Rick DeFore. And he said, uh, listen, if, you're, if you want teachers to be productive, then you should be asking for a product. And that hit me. And you can hear in the, in the podcast episode, they had to identify their eight to 10 essential learning outcomes. I had a copy of all those. And they had to create a common formative assessment for that marking period in both reading and mathematics. So products, products. Now, let me say this about essential learning outcomes. There's no magic number with essential learning outcomes. The problem with trying to assign a number, like there should be five per quarter or eight per quarter, you know, so I'm, I'm telling you right now, if, you know, with what I know now, having to do it all, all over again, I would not have asked them for eight to 10. Because, you know, when you say there should be five, then you're only you're focusing on five. Here's how I approach uh, essential learning outcomes with teams. Every learning endeavor, every course, every content area has essential learning outcomes. There are, there are learning outcomes in Algebra 1 that students absolutely have to master to have any shot of success in Algebra 2. 
when Algebra 1 teachers tease out those essentials, the ones that every kid's got to master, that no kid's got any shot if they don't have these, those are what we call essential learning outcomes or priority standards. And those are the standards that we have to guarantee. You go back to Marzano's work, Marzano and Waters, you know, guaranteed and viable curriculum. That's what this means. There are targets in Algebra 1 that would be nice to know, but aren't going to keep you from being successful in Algebra 2. For those ones that are nice to knows, that's where kids separate themselves. But for the essential learning outcomes, this is where all means all comes in. Because essential means everybody has to have it. Essential means you don't get to uh, disqualify kids because of the neighborhood they're from or because they come in uh, below grade level. You don't get to decide kids can't learn because that's playing God and you don't get to do that. These are essential learning outcomes, which means we have to do whatever needs to be done. That's why we collaborate. In its purest form, the only reason we collaborate in education is because there's something that every kid's got to learn and no one teacher has all the answers to unlock learning for students. So our best shot at all is to put our heads together. But again, moving forward, I would not require a specific number. Here's what I would have teams do. I would have you begin with the end in mind. And the best way I can describe it is, is to date myself. When I was a kid, beginning of the school year, one of the opening, like opening week activities was to have the teacher tear off a probably five and a half foot sheet of butcher paper, typically white butcher paper. You lay it on the floor. Then the student lays on his back like a gingerbread. And then kids get around them with a magic marker and kind of trace the entire body. So I want you to picture hanging that butcher paper of the student on a wall. Let's say it's Bobby. Now, what I would have, I'm gonna use fourth grade math teachers, but you can use this for any content area. What I would have fourth grade math teachers do is identify, work with fifth grade math teachers and get clear on what they know to be the most essential learning outcomes in fourth grade math, the ones that kids absolutely they have to walk in knowing in August, you know, to be successful in fifth grade. So fourth, fifth grade teachers collaborate on that. They identify them. What I want them to do is identify them for all four marking periods for the whole year. Put one learning standard, one essential standard on a sticky note. Let's just say, for shits and giggles, there, there it turns out to be between the four marking periods, there are 31 essential learning outcomes. That's, I'm just pulling that number out of the air. So you got 31 post-its. Imagine those post-its being stuck on that gingerbread drawing from head to toe, 31. That's just fourth, this is just math, fourth grade. Every time that kid masters an essential outcome in math, you snatch the post-it off. Or you can go the other way and put the post-it on. The bottom line is this. Think of essential learning outcomes this way. If a student, if all Bobby learned, if all Bobby mastered that year were the essentials and nothing more, he would be okay to move on to fifth grade. Wouldn't be in the best position, but he wouldn't be behind. 
he it would be okay to move on. It was much the way I left algebra. I left algebra one. I listen. I know I didn't learn one standard beyond the essentials, not one. So I left there with just enough <laughs> to move into the next level of mathematics. My friend Reggie, however, went way above and beyond with algebra. He walked. I mean, he separated himself from me. But we both walked out with the essentials, and that's the most important factor. So I wanted to get that out of the way. Two, I love Rick's reminder to ask for products. Right now, look, and I made this mistake early on. I was asking for products and didn't know what the hell I was going to do with these products. And I'm sitting looking around at this pile of stuff that I'd ask teachers to do, and they put time in. And uh, I'm not exactly trying to follow up. So I, I. I vet all initiatives to make sure that everything I ask for has value, has meaning, and is connected with advancing student learning. So I asked for products. Three, I just gave timelines. There were some years where I had more say over how teachers conducted themselves in collaborative team meetings and other years where I didn't have as much say. But either way, I could provide deadlines and clarity, absolute clarity, and let me let me let me get to that point. I think uh, there are there are a lot of reasons why leaders don't communicate as clearly as they should. I love Brene Brown's work, and I don't want to butcher her quote. Clarity is kind. Wait, wait. To be clear is to be kind. To be unclear is to be unkind. And we as leaders are notorious for doing this to teachers. Here's the bottom line. If it's something that you want done, make it an expectation, not a suggestion, not something you encourage people to do, but an expectation supported by the appropriate resources and supports to get the work done. So when I talk about supervision conditions, Supervision conditions are created when teachers don't get a payoff from the work, when there's no clarity around the work, when there's no clear bottom line around the work. That's one of the reasons why the work I do around PLCs is very successful, because I begin with the bottom line. I begin with the end. We go to we go to the end of the rainbow. We go to the pot of gold first and then we come back to the beginning because we can now see what we're working toward. So when I do PLC work, it's not made up of a bunch of disparate parts that uh, we hope come together and we have don't know why they have to come together. My work begins with the end. Like, this is the shit we're going for right here. All right, now let's go back to the starting line. Now that you are clear on what you want the finish line to be. So, what did I? Yeah, so do you want to be clear with your teachers? Please be clear. So I'm, I'm not going to hit every reason because there's a lot of reasons. But one of the reasons why principles aren't clear often is the politics of pity. Listen, low group, uh, misplaced sympathy when you're... I talk about teachers all the time lowering the standard because their heart breaks about a kid's background. I promise you that disease flows upward and downward I see as many principals feeling sorry for their teachers and not wanting to run them out so they scared to ask for stuff 
So I'm going to just strongly suggest it and be enthusiastic about it and hope hope they realize it's something I really want them to do. That is so unfair to teachers. Yes, yes. The politics of pity has a lot of us as teachers whining and bitching and moaning and blah, blah, blah. But here's one thing that I'm clear on about teachers and human beings. When expectations are clear, and it's clear that uh, they're going to be followed up on and the resources and supports have been provided, when expectations are made clear and you got a leader who actually follows up on it, teachers comply. Teachers are good soldiers. They'll make it happen. It's when we leave the door open, when we strongly suggest, when we invite teachers to do the work, when we invite teams to do the work, it is unfair the burden you're putting on the teachers who want to get stuff done. Be clear. The reason I didn't have to snoopervise my teams and hover because, one, there was real clarity around the products. There was clarity around why the products were important. There was clarity around the resources and supports to get the products done. There was a drop-dead date. And I kept shit simple. So with that, I didn't have to snoopervise. They knew that whatever it was, Monday by 3 o'clock, shit's got to be in. What you do between now and Monday, that's up to you. You hear it? You got time. You got the team. You got resources. I will hunt and gather what you need. On Monday at 3 o'clock, this stuff's got to be in. Period. P-E-R-I-O-D-T. Period. That's it. Because you got to keep scoring a PLC. Too many PLCs are just rooted in damn activity. Once essential outcomes have been identified, if the fourth grade team said six of those essential outcomes of the 31 are ones that students have to master in the first marking period, then that's how we score. If there are 50 fourth grade students with they got six essential learning outcomes they've got to master, then our nine weeks is spent monitoring every student's progress to get across the finish line with each of those six targets. And my job is to one, make sure the work is getting done, and two, listen for opportunities for me to support, hunt, gather, and move it forward. I'm not interested in how many friggin' low kids, I don't care about any of that shit. That's why your ass is here. I'm not interested in the data at the end of nine weeks looking like what we would have predicted at the beginning of nine weeks. That means we didn't move shit. We are here to shift the paradigm and get kids all across the finish line. And here's what I know about teachers. Teachers are at their best when their backs to the wall, there's only one way out. When crossing that finish line is the most important thing. When crossing that finish line is more important than the apartment complex they come from, teachers make shit happen. When getting across that finish line and mastering those grade level essential learning outcomes is more important than the language that kids speak and don't speak, teachers make shit happen. When it's clear to teachers that they are the most important factor, not a kid's background, neighborhood, the clothes they wear, the parents they go home to, as challenging as those things can be, when teachers understand that they are the most influential factor, that they are the ones that move the needle, they make shit happen. But you gotta be clear with them. Give them clarity. Do not leave them, do not have them walk away from you second guessing or trying to interpret what you said. Be clear. I'm proud of myself in that, in that, in that uh, journal entry 
talking about my expectations were clear and the expected products were explicit. Oof, it gives me goosebumps reading it 16 years later. So remember those lessons, baby. No reason to supervise when you've got clarity. When we ask for bullshit goals and bullshit products and stuff we can't explain, that's when you gotta hover over teachers because deep down they know this is a waste of time. But when you make expectations clear, there's nothing like it. I hope this episode helped you. I want you to start with the crown, not with the kid. Share this podcast with leaders, existing leaders, aspiring leaders, and everyone you know who could benefit. I'm going to leave you with this quote. There is no chance, no destiny, no fate that will circumvent, hinder, or control the firm resolve of a determined soul. I'll say it again. Start with the crown, not with the kid. And may the bridges you burn light the way. You've been listening to the Ruthless Equity School Leadership Podcast with Ken Williams. For more information about Ken, visit RuthlessEquity.com.